Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new episode of Stories from Space Podcast, where your host, Matthew Williams, examines the history of human spaceflight, the breakthroughs that revolutionized our understanding of the universe and our place in it, and the brave individuals who work tirelessly to advance the frontiers of our understanding. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. The authors acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional unceded lands of the Lekwungen peoples. Good day, and welcome back to Stories from Space. I'm your host, Matt Williams. Today, in honor of the fact that tomorrow is Christmas, I've decided to talk about Sir Isaac Newton, who just happened to be born on Christmas Day, at least when one considers the Julian calendar, which was still in use when he was born. Today, in accordance with the Gregorian calendar, we recognize his birthday as being on January 4th, but of course his reputation goes far, far beyond the circumstances of his birth. Sir Isaac Newton is considered one of the most influential scientists in history and was without a doubt the most influential scientist in the 17th century. His discoveries made in the fields of astronomy, physics, mechanics, optics, and the natural sciences established traditions that would remain in use for the next 200 years. In fact, the term classical mechanics, which is often used to describe conventions used prior to the 20th century, are often described as Newtonian mechanics because of the level of influence he had at the time. Newton published several books, tracts, and treaties throughout his life. It was his magnum opus, Mechanical Principles of Natural Philosophy, published in 1687, that has had the most enduring legacy. As usual, if you want to understand a historical figure, you need to look to their origins and their early life first. With that in mind, Sir Isaac Newton was born on January 4th, 1643, by the Gregorian calendar. As noted, it was December 25th, 1642, by the Julian calendar, in Wolsthorpe by Colsterworth in Lincolnshire, England. He was born into a prosperous farming family, but from an early age, he wanted to be an academic, and engineering and mathematics and astronomy were things he expressed interest in from an early age. He also demonstrated an aptitude for learning and inventing that lasted his whole life. These same characteristics allowed him to retire a very wealthy man. From the age of 12 to 21, he studied at the King's School in Grantham, where he learned Latin and was a top-ranked student. Among his exploits, he was recognized for building sundials and models of windmills that impressed his teachers and fellow students. In 1661, he was admitted to Trinity College, Cambridge, and he spent the first three years studying classical Aristotelian theory. This was standard for the time. However, the conventions laid down by Aristotle in terms of mechanics, physics, philosophy, astronomy, and biology were coming to be challenged. Newton picked up on this as he read works by René Descartes, Galileo, Kepler, and many other famous scientists that emerged during the scientific revolution. In 1664, he received a scholarship to pursue his Master's of Arts degree, which would have taken him four years. However, the completion of his studies had to wait a year as the Great Plague shut down the university. Nevertheless, while studying at home, Newton developed the seeds of his greatest ideas in the fields of calculus, optics, and gravitation. In 1667, he returned to Cambridge, where he was elected as a fellow, and by 1669, he'd earned his M.A. and published his first treatise on calculus. 
Titled Method of Fluxians, the publication of this volume earned him notoriety and allowed him to become the Lucasian Chair of Mathematics at Cambridge, and by 1672, he was elected a Fellow of the Royal Society. And while Newton's theories on universal gravitation physics are what he's most renowned for, his earliest contributions were actually in optics. In 1666, he observed that light entered a prism as a circular ray, but exited it in the form of an oblong. This demonstrated that prisms refract different colors of light at different angles. From this, he concluded that color is a property intrinsic to light, something that scientists had been debating for years. In 1668, he designed and built the reflecting telescope, which helped prove his theory. Between 1670 and 1672, he delivered a series of annual lectures at Cambridge, where he showed that using a reflecting telescope, the multicolored spectrum produced by a prism could be transformed back into white light by a lens and a second prism. Through his experiments, he also demonstrated that colored light does not change its properties, regardless of whether it's reflected, scattered, or transmitted. From this, he concluded that color is the result of objects interacting with already colored light, rather than being intrinsic to objects themselves. This became the basis of his theory of color, which he published in a 1672 treatise titled Of Colors. In 1675, his theories were republished in a larger volume titled Hypothesis of Light, in which he predicted future advances in physics, optics, and the study of light. For one, he argued that light was composed of corpuscles, or particles, which become refracted as they accelerate into a denser medium. He also theorized that ordinary matter was composed of larger corpuscles, and even theorized that there was an ether that transmitted forces between these particles. By 1704, Newton published all of his theories on light, optics, and colors into a single volume titled Optics, or Treatise of the Reflections, Refractions, Inflections, and Colors of Light. What was especially interesting about Newton's arguments is that they verged on wave theory in order to explain repeated patterns of reflections and transmissions of light. This would go on to influence later physicists who began articulating a purely wave-like explanation of light, and those who began to argue whether light took the form of a wave or a particle. His theory on light being made up of corpuscles also predicted quantum mechanics and photons, and the idea of wave-particle duality. In the meantime, Newton continued to develop his theories on gravity. He suffered a temporary setback in 1678 when he experienced a nervous breakdown. This was apparently caused by a combination of work-related stress, his ongoing feud with Robert Hooke, a fellow member of the Royal Society, with whom he'd had many disagreements. In particular, Robert Hooke seemed to resent Newton's growing fame and notoriety, which continued to grow throughout his life, whereas Hooke's continued to diminish. The death of his mother a year later further encouraged him to seek isolation. For six years, he withdrew from correspondence, unless other scientists initiated, However, during his hiatus, Newton also renewed his interest in mechanics and astronomy. Ironically enough, it was correspondence with Hooke that began to encourage him. Another factor was the appearance of a comet during the winter of 1680-81. The sighting of this comet led him to correspond with John Flamsteed, England's astronomer royal. Combined with Newton's interest in Copernicus and Galileo and Kepler's laws of planetary motion, he began to consider how gravity affected the orbits of the planets, the moon, comets, and all other astronomical phenomena. 
Using Kepler's theories on elliptical motion, he developed a proof that elliptical orbits were the result of a centripetal force that was inversely proportional to the square of the radius vector. In 1684, he emerged from isolation and communicated his results to Edmund Halley, the discoverer of Halley's Comet and the Royal Society. He published this in a tract titled On the Motion of Bodies in an Orbit. This would become the basis of his magnum opus, the Philosophia Naturalis Principia Mathematica, or Principia Mathematica for short, which he wrote between 1685 and 1686 and published in three volumes in 1687. In these volumes, Newton offered... In these three volumes, Newton explained how all objects are governed by gravity, which came down to three laws, later known as Newton's Three Laws of Motion. These laws stated that, when viewed in an inertial reference frame, an object either remains at rest or continues to move at a common velocity, unless acted upon by an external force. Or as it's more simply known, an object at rest will stay at rest, an object in motion will stay in motion. The second law states that the vector sum of the external forces of an object is equal to the mass of that object multiplied by the acceleration vector of the object. Put simply, force equals mass times acceleration. The third law states that when one body exerts a force on a second body, the second body simultaneously exerts a force equal in magnitude and opposite direction on the first body. Otherwise known as, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. These laws effectively describe the relationship between objects, the forces acting upon them, and the resulting motion. They were revolutionary in that they allowed Newton and other astronomers to calculate the mass and orbit of each planet. It also described how the gravitational pull of the sun and the moon created the Earth's tides, which had been the subject of debate during Galileo's time. It also described how the Earth was not a perfect sphere, but rather a flattened sphere, and Newton was able to calculate the flattening of the Earth at the poles and its bulge at the equator. These principles would remain canon for the next 200 years among physicists, astronomers, and scientists. They informed the concept of universal gravitation, which became the mainstay of modern astronomy and would not be challenged until the 20th century, thanks to the rise of Einstein's relativity and quantum mechanics. But in addition to astronomy, optics, mechanics, and physics, Newton had several other interests which he happened to publish tracts on. For one, he was rather interested in alchemy. In his book Optics, his theories on the corpuscular nature of light included an idea that light and matter could be converted through alchemical transmutation. His friendship and talks with Henry Moore, another Cambridge scientist who was also a Platonist and theosophist, encouraged Newton's interest in alchemy. Based on the hermetic ideas of attraction and repulsion between particles, he replaced his theory about an ether existing between particles with the presence of occult forces found in nature. All this reflected Newton's interest in both the alchemical and the scientific method, for which there really was no distinction in his time. During the 1690s, he wrote several tracts about literal and symbolic interpretations of the Bible, which remained unpublished until after his death. And in 1696, Newton moved to London and became the Warden of the Royal Mint. He would remain in this post for 30 years, eventually becoming the Master of the Mint, and played a major role in England's currency reform. By 1703, he became the President of the Royal Society and an associate of the French Académie des Sciences, or Academy of Sciences. 
1705, Queen Anne visited Trinity College, Cambridge, and knighted Newton, making him the second scientist to be knighted after Sir Francis Bacon. Sadly, it was quite possibly Newton's experiments with alchemy that led to his death. In 1693, he suffered another major breakdown. In his final years, he was forced to move in with his niece and her husband in Cranberry Park near Winchester. When he reached the age of 80, his physical and mental health began declining significantly, causing him to become more erratic and suffering from digestive problems, which forced him to live on a strict diet until his death. In 1727, March the 2nd, or March 31st on the Gregorian calendar, Newton collapsed from stomach pains, lost consciousness, and then died in his sleep. Hair samples that were later taken from him showed high levels of mercury, leading many to speculate that his death was caused by mercury poisoning. By the time of his death, he had become one of the most famous scientists in Europe. His discoveries were unchallenged, and he'd even become wealthy thanks to wise investments that he had made over the years. Much of this fortune was left through bestowments to various charitable causes and scientific organizations, and he was later buried in a tomb at Westminster Abbey, where his remains can still be visited. For his work, many of Newton's contemporaries called him the greatest genius that ever lived. That reputation would live on long after his death. While much of his theories regarding universal gravitation would be succeeded by Einstein's theory of general relativity, his laws of motion and theory of universal gravitation were unparalleled in his time. Not only did it bring the orbits of the planets, moon, and comets into one system, but it established that time, space, and motion were all predictable and calculable. He also invented modern calculus, revolutionized our understanding of light and optics. All of this effectively synthesized theories put forth by scientists since classical antiquity. Eventually, his theories on universal gravitation would be succeeded by Einstein's theory of general relativity, which showed that time, distance, and motion are not separate or absolute, but rather are dependent on the observer and their motion. Nevertheless, Einstein himself was a huge fan of Newton. He allegedly kept a picture on his study wall next to pictures of Michael Faraday and James Clerk Maxwell, contemporaries of Einstein's who were very famous for their theories. In a eulogy delivered on the 200th anniversary of Newton's death in 1927, Einstein called him a shining spirit and said, Nature to him was an open book, whose letters he could read without effort. In the past several decades, multiple polls have been conducted in which respondents were asked who had a greater influence on science and history, Einstein or Newton. All of these polls agreed that Einstein and Newton are rightly ranked as the first and second most influential. Which one's first and which one's second? That depends on which poll you consult. A 2005 survey of the British Royal Society showed that the members believed that Newton had the greatest effect. Then again, one could argue that they are slightly biased. In spite of his monumental achievements, though, Newton was renowned for maintaining a humble attitude. In fact, he best described his accomplishments when he said, If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. In 2027, it will be the 300th anniversary of Isaac Newton's death. However, this holiday season marks the 379th anniversary of his birth. So on behalf of myself, anyone else who cares to add their voice, I'd just like to say, happy 379th birthday, Isaac Newton. Your kind doesn't come around often, and when they do, 
they leave a lasting mark. I'm Matt Williams, and this has been Stories from Space. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Stories from Space podcast with Matthew Williams. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.